What's going on with dance and stuff? What's happening with dance and things? What's going on? What's happening? What's going on with dance and stuff? I'm recording. I'm recording now too. Wow. Well, so busy that we forgot to record until the very last moment. Absolutely forgot. I don't even know what day of the week. Is it Thursday today? It's Thursday and it all needs to be ready to go out tonight. But it felt like we had recorded because we had done the video podcast or the not podcast, the The dance and stuff show video cast. The dance and stuff show. We've oh my god, listeners, get involved. We have just recorded episode four, four, yeah, and at our new space. Thank you, Lower Manhattan Cultural Cultural Council Council. And um, you and I laughed so hard that tears rolled down our face, but we won't give away what we laughed about. Snot came. I up. did think about it a couple of days later, and I laughed. It was so great. Again. So great. Really hard at that. That was really great. To d- yeah, we I, had- I almost lost my mind laughing just now because I was in a lift here in Los Angeles <laughs> and the driver would not stop talking to me uh-huh. in a way that was comical to the point where I almost like ex- out of exasperation, almost just lost my mind laughing. He just kept, was he asking you questions or was it just a monologue? Um, it was questions and monologuing to the point where I was just like, I was giving him one word answers to basically to be, and also like closing my eyes and leaning my head again, just to be like, don't you, you must understand that I do not want to talk to you. You must. Ugh, but it was crazy. Um, have you ever tried being like, well, I only do this when there's a radio station on that I don't want to hear. And instead of saying, can you turn off the radio? I say, can you please turn off the radio? I have to make a phone call. Oh, interesting. And then they turn it off. And even if I don't have someone to call, I might pretend like I've made a phone call and be like, hey, how are you? (laughs) Because that feels better than having the radio on. So next time you can be like, oh, sorry, I have to make a phone call. That's a really good idea. And then you can just put your headphones in with like music and then be like, "Mm mm-hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Like every every minute or so you can go, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Well, oh, that's wonderful. You know, yesterday when I was leaving New York, I wish Jeremy had made a movie of this for the dance and stuff show. Yesterday morning was like the most frantic morning imaginable in terms of getting myself together, getting to studio by 930 in the morning, trying to get all these costumes finished and packed up to bring to Los Angeles and then getting in a in a car like at the very last moment and the driver having music playing, which I, again, I was desperate for him to turn it off, but I was so non-confrontational in that moment because I was just so frantic. I couldn't be like, can you turn the music off? (sighs) So you just let it happen. I just sat there sort of grateful to be on my way somewhere out of New York. In Los Angeles. I love that you keep saying Los Angeles. It's really, it's really, instead of just LA. Um, where are you staying? I'm staying at Aunt Jane's house here in Venice for a couple days. And then I'm staying somewhere else while I'm doing fittings, but I don't even know where. But um, it's absolutely, I'm looking out the window right now at palm trees and a lemon tree and the sun is out and it's like 60 degrees and it's heaven, actual heaven. I'm looking out at a complete blackness. (laughs) It is completely dark. It is 
pitch black uh, here in upstate New York. And today was a complete gray, rainy day, though not as bone-chillingly cold as it was last week. Right. Well, that's good. So the spring's coming. Yes. Yes. We can feel spring coming. It's also spring here. It's like lush and green. I've been picking kumquats off Jane's kumquat tree. It's really, really something else. Wow. And today I met up with Kyle Abraham at UCLA and with my friend Veronica for lunch. And it's not, and, but I'm also still sewing in zippers and stuff. <laughs> still doing all of that and taking cars everywhere. Taking cars. I'm, I'm also not um, against taking a bus in LA. Not against it. Mm, I've never done that. It's kind of nice. It is. Yeah. You're just like, you know, you get to feel like, you know, I mean, mostly you're on the bus with, I don't even know. It's sort of like probably some drug addicts and, you know, and me. (laughs) That sounds very lovely to be there. How long are you there? I'm here until for a week until next Wednesday. I was really waiting for you to go, um, I guess until the Cunningham show goes up. Oh my God, that would be amazing. I'm also like... If you were just there until April 14th. If I lived in LA, could we still do the podcast? Yeah. Okay. Do you want to live in LA? (laughs) Well, maybe for a a period of time. I think that would be nice. I want to live in LA for a period of time. Well, then we could definitely do the podcast. Uh, Be in movies... I know, truly. Listeners, put me in a movie and have Reed uh, teach at UCLA. Absolutely. Just have it all all happen. Um, Jeremy has shot something so wonderful with Jen for the Dance and Stuff show. I'm so excited. Very excited to have her as the upcoming guest. I saw a little bit of it and it looks oh so good. That's that's happening for that. I'm making this beast of a show here. How's it going? It is, I think it's together now. The, I made all this material the first week, and then that all got cut, as you know. And then the second week, I made something that was just so, so, so depressing and bleak and hopeless. And um, so I've, I've kind of gotten some juxtapositions in there. And uh, we worked through it today. And it's a real, it's a... Uh, it's really strange, um, and it's funny and it's sad. You know, it's my brand, strange, funny, and sad. Yeah, well, there's some parts like in it I think show. you would really love, but I don't know if you'll get to see it. I would love that. Well, I'm gonna come see it. I think Jen is gonna try to come, and Neil is gonna try to come. Why? Why won't Paige? Well, oh my, we're all gonna come. And who and Jen would be driving. Who I can hear like we're all going to come a mouse or a squirrel right now somewhere inside oh, the no. closet. Oh no! <laughs> well, such is upstate life. I'm very much looking forward to coming back to New York. I have to say, yes. Oh, do you want to hear a fun story? Yes. So I arranged mm. my my friend Mark Byers was in New York the past few days, and I had no time to see him whatsoever. But I had arranged for myself to be on the same flight as him flying to L.A. where he lives. So I got to the airport very last minute and then walked onto the plane and there he was. And then we got to have like, you know, a five hour date on the airplane, which was so nice. Did you guys get to sit next to each other? Yeah, I arranged to sit next to him. Oh, that's so nice. I know. And then I decided I took a little nap and then I was like, you know what I'm going to do? 
I'm going to watch one of these movies that I didn't want to see that won Oscars. So I watched A Star is Born on the airplane. And? And I have to say, I enjoyed it. Well, a, a lot of people did. And found some of it moving. And did you cry? I I didn't cry at the end when you're maybe supposed to, but I did cry when mm. Lady Gaga started to like experience fame in a way she never had. Because I have to say, she does an excellent job in the movie. She does an excellent job. I've really heard that. You have? Okay, so you're not like finding it hard to believe. You actually, you believe what I'm... No, no. No, I've, I've heard that she's... I heard, I've, I've also heard that people liked it she's actually she's really kind of funny and she looks great and she and when she's it's good her delivery is not melodramatic ever it's really weirdly understated she's very good and then she sings like that big song at the end right well that by the time she's always singing big songs by the time she sings the song at the she she actually sings that very early on in the movie and that's a really good acting moment where she's like singing in front of ten thousand people and she's never sung in front of more than like 12 and she can't even believe that it's happening but she's it's happening it's really it's a remarkable acting moment. You should watch it. Oh, fun. Well, I hope I'm on a plane soon. Um, oh, I will be because I'm going to Austin. Right. Well, we'll get to that another time. But um, have you seen the original Star is Born with Judy Garland? I don't think that's actually the original. I guess that's not the original. There's one even that's before that. The original. There's there's one even before that. I'm, I just remembered as I said it because all of a sudden I could see the poster for the OG. But yeah, have you seen the Judy Garland one? No, I have not. Uh, Nor have I seen the Barbra Streisand one. Just watch the Judy Garland one, Reed. You're going to lose your mind. Okay. It's so incredible. It's so incredible. There's this... There's a scene she does. There's these scenes that she does as like it starts to get bad for him. It's it's so amazing. There, it's it's really really. Bad. I will do that. I'll make an effort and do that. But I I wanted to just say about Bradley Cooper. Okay. I find it it was a weird choice for him to do his character like very sunburned, just inside and out, just like. Mm-hmm. Just everything kind of burned. A husk. Yeah, exactly. Because mm-hmm. his body, what it doesn't make sense. You're like, how is your body so together when you're just like a drop down dead alcoholic? Oh, does he take his shirt off in the movie? Uh-huh. And he has like a six pack and stuff? It's absurd. Yeah. Wow. He's he's a su- he's a superhero. He has a superhero body and is a complete uh, well, it's a movie star body. It's not exactly like Chris Evans oh, okay. as Captain America. It's not quite that shredded, you know, but it's really like people who tr- who are like you, like suicidal drunks, oh. don't look like that. Or, I mean, maybe they do. <laughs> were you talking, when you said people like you, were you talking about me or Bradley Cooper? Um, well, obviously people like you look like Bradley Cooper. <laughs> <laughs> I did, that didn't make any that sense, make, but it made sense in my that head. That made no sense. Because I mean, like, people like you, I was like, are you talking to me? And then I realized maybe you were pointing at Bradley Cooper, as you said, suicidal drunk. Um, does he swim out into the ocean at the end? I mean, metaphorically. <laughs> How does he die? 
It was just like a little bit vague, but it involved a belt in his garage. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, that's not how he dies in the Judy Garland one. <laughs> he just swims out into the ocean. Oh, this seems like <laughs> someone dies that way in Dunkirk. And I was really like, wow, bleak. Oh, when they go to kill themselves? Well, there's all these young kids on the beach, like being like, how are we going to get out of here? As they watch like some older soldier just like take off his backpack and walk into the ocean. And you're like, wow. I know you really liked Dunkirk. Dunkirk is an excellent movie. If anyone wants to watch like cinema. I've been a, a very interested in this Elizabeth Holmes woman who has this podcast about her called The Dropout and also this documentary they did on HBO about her. Do you know who this is? Mm-mm. She's this woman who started this company called Oh, Thera- is this the blood company? Exactly. Yes. Uh, so exciting. I can't wait to watch that. Did you watch it? I'm, I was trying last night, but I was falling asleep because jet lag. Oh, it sounds so good. I remember reading about it when it all went down. Um, and I'm excited to watch the documentary about it. I haven't seen like in-depth interviews with her. You're going to like it because it's kind of a Lisa Novak story. And she has a kind of similar energy where you're going to be like, oh, you're actually crazy. Wow. Lisa Novak. Novak. Right? Or is it Lisa Novak? Nov. God, it's so long ago. I don't know. Maybe the W, the W is a V sound. So long ago. It doesn't matter. obsessed with her. Obsessed. So obsessed I made a show about it. And you were in it. This is a different kind of sociopathy where she's really like, I'm going to turn myself into a person I'm not and just um, decide that I'm going to make this thing that can't be made and everyone's going to believe me. But she did believe she could make it, didn't she? I think she must have deep down, though she was constantly being told it wasn't going to work by all the people around her who were experts. Uh Uh-huh. But she managed to get all of like the richest, oldest white men to believe in her and give her hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. Where is she now? She's engaged and she's being indicted and (laughs) 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 or she's going to trial. I don't know if I don't know what's going to happen. That's really good. I love engaged and indicted. Yeah. It's so real. But it's an incredible story. It's, it really is. I mean, people were none too pleased with her. No, she stole. She's a thief. Yeah, she really did it. She really, she was like, well, Steve Jobs made that computer. I can make this blood testing thing. What was the blood supposed to test for you? So basically it was supposed to do like a huge array of blood tests, but only from like two drops of blood from your finger. Uh-huh. Impossible. So basically it was like a finger prick of blood that they would put in this micro capsule and then insert into this machine where, which was the size of basically like a large printer. Uh-huh. And inside of this machine, it would test your two drops of blood for everything under the sun and also be able to determine like whether or not you have markers for cancer and blah, blah, blah. And uh-huh. there was just like... Even from the very beginning of her idea, which she had talked to with this professor who was a pioneer in the field of blood testing at Stanford, who was like, this isn't going to work. And she was like, okay, it will. And she she carried on. And she was like, we'll see. She really was like, we'll see. And then all these white old men were like, I believe in you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good story. It's a really good story. Uh, 
I love that. That's really fun. And it's the documentary or has it been turned into a movie? It's a documentary. Okay. Because I walked by a poster for it and I thought it was Katie Holmes playing Elizabeth Holmes. Because <laughs> if you look, Same if kind you look of at the poster, you're really like, oh, Katie. And I was like, oh, I love that Katie Holmes is working. Anytime Katie Holmes is working, I'm like, absolutely <laughs> good. It feels, it just feels correct. It's like she deserves to work. You know, it's like she really had because well, she went through, through a bad <gasps> she went through a bad situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I also think she's a great actress. Well, I think she's, I think so. She's pretty. She's good. I think she's good. Did you ever see The Gift with Kate Blanchett? I don't think so. Highly recommend. She has, you know, she can see she's a an oracle, a, a medium, a, a psychic. Who's a psychic? Kate or Katie? Kate. Kate Blanchett. Oh, mm-hmm. you just totally left Katie Holmes behind to talk about. No, Katie Holmes is in it. No, Katie Holmes is in it. And Kate Blanchett can tell that Katie Holmes is probably going to get killed. There's some, the part I really remember is Katie Holmes is visiting Kate Blanchett, maybe Kate Blanchett's school teacher. And Katie Holmes is a mom of the students. I can't quite remember. And a pencil rolls off the desk. And when Kate Blanchett goes to pick it up, she sees like that Katie Holmes is like, has dead feet and is standing in a pool of water or something. Oh, this sounds like Hereditary meets Notes on a Scandal. Um, except, like, in Hereditary, it wasn't psychic vibes and being able to see into the future. And No, it wasn't. In this movie, there isn't, like, Kate Blanchett doesn't sleep with one of her students and isn't being stalked by an older lesbian. But, um, but yeah. But otherwise, yeah. I would say same, Basically same. Basically the same. <laughs> Basically the same. I would say... Basically, that's how, by the way, how all Hollywood movies are pitched at the pool at the Chateau Marmont. It's people being like, well, it's hereditary meets notes on a scandal. And someone's like, absolutely, Darren Aronofsky, here's your money. (laughs) By the way, did you watch 555 yet on Vimeo? No, I haven't. I haven't. I haven't had time. I'm going to. John Early. uh, And who does he work with? Kate, Kate Berlant. Kate Berlant. I haven't met her, so I can't remember her name. Um, <laughs> we love you. And yet somehow you really can remember Kate Blanchett's name. Well, I've met Kate Blanchett, <laughs> you know, like after you've played someone a certain amount of times, you've met them. Do you know what I mean? You know, you know them. I, I mean, I know them. Like I know her, like I've been her. <laughs> I know her. I get it. I really get it. Ugh, I could go on and on about Kate Blanchett. So good in Hannah. I, Even though the end of that movie was such a kind of like, what? Like the blocking for like Kate Blanchett's death was just so bizarre. It made no sense. Anyhow. I have no comment. I didn't see Hannah. Oh, you should watch Hannah. It's so good. Uh, With, um, is it Mia? Sir Ronan? Sir Ronan. My favorite thing Sir Ronan's done is Hannah. I will absolutely stand behind that. She's so good. In Wait, it. is this a movie that takes place in the future? Uh-uh. And she's like a clone kid. She's place now, oh. but yeah, she's like, I don't know if she's a clone. She's definitely like a super child. Okay. Uh, right. And tonight Parker and Jeremy are watching the China syndrome with Jane Fonda, which is incredible. Uh, written and directed by James Bridges, who was a queen did a lot of amazing movies such as also perfect, which is this incredible movie with, um, uh, she's in Halloween, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie, Jamie Lee Curtis, and John Travolta. Perfect. Oh, that's is, the one where she's in those high cut leads. She's uh-huh, an aerobics instructor. Uh huh. Uh huh. 
I've definitely watched the pelvic thrusts from yeah, that movie. But it was, it's really, have you seen the China syndrome? No. It's very anxiety provoking and very, um, wow. Movies are really amazing. <laughs> it was really wow. Oh, he also did Urban Cowboy. That movie's so good. It's so incredible. All it's right. the pacing of the China syndrome is really anxiety provoking. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, well, on that note of mystery and anxiety provoking. Uh, what a um, wonderful guest we have for you today. We do, really do. We really do. Sure, Who has, one of the most talented dancers in uh, the world. I will I'll also I will co-sign that. Taylor Stanley is one of the most talented dancers in the world. And um, what a pleasure to speak with him and what an honor that he would share a very uh, intimate and uh, intense and ultimately beautiful story with us. Thank you, Taylor. We loves you, Taylor. We loves you. Listeners, we loves you. And uh, as, as we've said, we have a great upcoming episode of the Dance and Stuff show. Oh, my God. Lots and lots of laughs, and um, as well as finding out who Reed and I are playing in the upcoming oh, West Side Story. I remember. I know who I am. That's right. Very exciting. Wow, wow, wow. Very exciting. Um, so tune, tune in. in. All right, Reed. And then tune out. <laughs> yes. Well, send my love to Aunt Jane. Absolutely. Have so much fun in L.A. I'm trying. Tell all of the, anytime you run into a Hollywood actor, they're probably a friend of mine. So say hello. Okay. And um, just, did I ever tell you about one time I was in the locker room at the Equinox in Hollywood and I saw this guy there and I was like, oh, hey, how are you? And he was like, oh, I'm, hi, how are you? And like, he gave me a hug and I was like, he had like this. I, I like was like, oh, I know him from somewhere. I just can't remember his name. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so bad with names. And we hugged and we like did some chit chat about where I was like trying to be like, how are things going? You know, and da, 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 da. And he was like, and we talked for a while. And then I left and I was on a treadmill and I realized it was Fabio. Stop, Jack. And I didn't know no, him at all. Jack, <laughs> you're yeah. lying. Yeah. This hu- I'm not huge lying. romance novel cover guy. You were just like, he's probably some old friend of mine. Yeah, I really was. That's I really was. We were insane. in the locker room like the shirtless time. and he hugged me shirtless. And I was like, I must know this queen. Jack. Um, I don't think he is a queen. And then we talked for, you know, a bit. And then when I walked out of there and was on the treadmill, I was running. And then I started laughing to myself because I was like, bitch, you don't know that person. You really it's don't. Fabio. You don't. Uh-uh. I did that uh-uh. once when I got in an elevator at a school of visual arts and I saw a person in the elevator. And I just was like, oh, hi, because he was so familiar. Mm-hmm. And then that person in return was like, hi, like as if he knew who I was, too. Yeah. And then within two seconds that that person sort of retreated very uncomfortable into the corner of the elevator because we both realized we did not know each other, and he was, in fact, Christian Siriano. Yes, that's so good. That's so good. <laughs> hey, and then I realized it was Ann Coulter. Um, 
It's like being like, I gave this guy a hug and then like I walked away and then I was like, oh wait, that was Donald Trump. Can we imagine? <laughs> hey, didn't you know my dad? It's so good to see you. Da da da. Just Donald Trump. What was I thinking? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Oh man. All right. Well, okay. here's Anyways, to that. we are saying goodbye. Yeah, I am on the goodbye. other side of the country. Enjoy. This is not as much fun over the phone and enjoy the show. Enjoy the show, everyone. This is going to be a real, like, what's your future? Uh, who are you? Like, what's going on? Like, what's, what's your deal? What's been, what's been happening? All of, all of those sorts of things. And it's, you know, relax that spine, Taylor. <laughs> it's really, it's really up, up. And away. I can see your collarbone. Is this, bad? is this a bad way to sit? No, I think that's a good way no, to wait, sit. No, wait, I think, let me do, let me do Alexander for a second. Let me just, like... Up and forward. Mm, that's good. Up and forward. And you look insane. Like a second detail. No, you, like a sec. Like, oh, like sitting in the chairs in second detail. What is that? Those are the wrong words. That's the song they sing. In second detail. No, is that what we're talking? Oh, in decadence. Oh, decadence. Oh, I'm thinking decadence. of the second detail where they sit in these chairs along. Have you been in second detail? No. Oh, second detail is the great dance where they yes. sit. Yes, and it has like a little placard at the front that I yeah. think says second detail, right? Or there's something, something like that. Or, you know, maybe it's like or act two. Or, yeah, yeah. That's Perhaps. I love it so much. What Forsyth have you done, Taylor? I haven't done any Forsyth. <gasps> you didn't get to learn Herman Schmerm? Herm Schmerm? You will. You will. Why will he? I don't know. I feel like Taylor would be so fierce in Forsyth. But Forsyth was just here and he wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> but but you know Bill was just here and Taylor wasn't well Taylor was busy with other things it's mm. true yeah it's true you couldn't be in that piece because you were in the other two it's true there you have it Taylor hi hi where do you live in New York <laughs> I live in Washington Heights uh huh 158 with friends right by myself oh wow I used to live with Harrison Harrison and David and no longer like Harrison Cole and David Protus. Fame, 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 fame. fame. Obsession, fame. obsession. Can you imagine? It's <laughs> like bodies. I used to live with David Halberg, which is the two of us. We were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Lived in his Chelsea apartment together. Can you imagine? Mm. Could you no, imagine? David Protus and Harrison Cole friend time. Mm-hmm. Did you guys do? Was it hard to be friends as roommates, or did you become more close friends? Um, we've always been close, like since working in the company and. We did, um, like, Ballet Collective together mm-hmm. with Troy. Um, so that always, like, brought us together. And where did you all disband to? Well, we know where you went. Yes, I went there, where I am currently. And then um, David, I think, is now a bit further uptown. And Harrison is even more uptown Whoa. than David. So we all kind of spread out. Uptown girls, I'm living in the uptown world. Yeah. Okay. Well, now we know where you live. Yeah. Taylor, where did you live before you lived in New York? <laughs> I lived in Pennsylvania. Westchester. In Westchester. Mm-hmm. Two he's, words. He's on the outside wall of the Rock School. Is that what those are called? I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, Can you say, when you look at the side of a building, uh-huh. what's that surface called? The, the, the side, <coughs> mm-hmm. not the wall. 
Yeah, it's just the side of the building. The side of the building. It's, it's the side of the Taylor's building. Taylor's gigantic mm. in a photo on the side of the Rock School in Philadelphia. Mm. Famous. That's where you went. No. <laughs> I went to, like, um... <laughs> no. I mean, I I did go there, like the Philadelphia branch, but there's another branch in Westchester in the suburbs that has more, like, variety of dance genres, oh, I, I guess. So they can claim you as their own in this way? Uh, I don't know. Oh, you, you, okay. I don't know if I <laughs> you didn't sign feel off. claimed okay. or claimable. What was your early dance training? Uh, I started with, like, creative movement, you know, as a three-year-old, but did ballet, jazz, tap, hip-hop. Was your family, like, a very dance family? No. Like, they... But at three, they were like... Was that because you were like, I want to go to dance class? Mm, They put me into it. Why? Because we went and saw a show in Mm -hmm. Philly, and I guess they could see I was taking to it mm-hmm. interested in the twinkle in the eye dancing in the aisle yeah uh-huh. and at home and wow so young yeah I mean I had no idea about anything just wanted to like move I guess and then how old when you moved to New York mm, I was 17 I think did you have to finish up high school here I did my senior year of high school here in the city at PCS or at PPAS Professional Performing Arts School. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And what had the transition been, though, between like growing up in Westchester? I mean, that's like, and then what happened? Not Westchester. Westchester? Mm-hmm. Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania. Yeah. Very different from yeah, Westchester, yeah, yeah. New York. Yeah. Very different. Okay. Like, so you grew up honest. there, you were taking dance class, but also going to school. Mm-hmm. How was school? Were you bullied? Yeah. Yeah. Like nor- the normal bully sitch, but. For a boy who's dancing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, feeling singled out and all those things. But, yeah, it was it was a transition to come here, for sure. How did it happen? Um, well, I was taking... I was, like, full-time at the rock school in Philly, like, the main branch to just study ballet... Um, I guess my junior year of high school and my teachers just encouraged me to go to SAB and um, or audition for SAB and I tried for the summer course and then just kind of happened that I got in Were you excited? Yeah, I, I think I wanted to go Did you feel sort of socially liberated being around other kids like you? I think that started to happen as I was, like, going full-time and, like, not doing public school, like, in the suburbs, just getting to focus on uh, re-evaluating myself or something. Yeah. (laughs) The transition from, like, family country life to, like, New York City intense Mm -hmm. ballet life. Were there hiccups along the way, or were you like, I can handle this? It's hard to, like, go back into my past. You can do it, or you don't (laughs) have to do it. No, it was was an easy transition, I think. Like, when I got here, it was like, oh, okay, yes, this makes sense. This is what I want 
to do. This is where I want to be. The style of dance, of ballet that's represented here feels, it feels like it fits, you know, what I mm -hmm. want to pursue. And yeah, just kind of like, also I'm 17 or, yeah, 17 and figuring out who I am, and which is now starting to happen, like, you know, 10 years later, more so than at 17. You feel like you're figuring things out more now. I think that's maybe true of everybody. Yeah, well, because yeah. you're 27, mm -hmm. so you're just barreling into that Saturn return. Yeah, she's coming around. She's, wow. she is, she's coming for you, Taylor. Mm -hmm. See those waves coming in mm. from way out there? <laughs> They're about to crash on your shore, girl. <laughs> I feel them. Yeah. Yeah. I feel yeah. Them. And what, so you were in the dorms mm -hmm. when you got here, and then when, how, how, when did you go into the company? Mm, after, like at the end of the school, of the, of the school year. Right. Yeah. So one full school year and then into the company. Mm -hmm. So was Saratoga like your first stuff or did you do like spring season? Uh, my first thing was Nutcracker. Oh. Um, like I, I was here like, I did my year at the school, and then I did like the summer course, like they encourage the apprentices to, to do after they get their apprenticeship and everything. And then, yeah, the first thing we did was Nutcracker because there was no fall season, I guess, back well, then. Way back when. Yeah. Yeah. So. Did you have friends who didn't get in that you were like, what a bummer? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh made it hard to associate with other maybe like male dancers mm. my age because I didn't there wasn't any other guy who got in that I could like sort of have this have an experience along alongside right so in that sense it was a little strange but it, it didn't like it was still fun to be in the company with the group that I got in with so. you always have been an outlier <laughs> he's special a rando do you feel like a rando at the New York City Ballet? Sometimes, I think. I have a hard time like perceiving myself and gauging how others perceive me and they like conflict a lot, if how that so? makes any sense. You no, know, you can elaborate on that a little bit. How do you think people see you? I don't know, maybe as like a quiet, calm energy, but there's so much more inside of me that I wish I could express. Mm -hmm. I feel like I stand in my own way of expressing those things and, you know, in, in a cliche way, it's like dance is like how I express all those extra things, you know, but I'm very like heady and introverted, so. Do you journal? Occasionally. Like I go through phases. Are you in Russell um, Friends? We are. <laughs> I, mean, <laughs> I mean, it, feel, it yeah, feels have, like a very brother from another mother with mm -hmm. in terms of that quietude as well as I think um which and I think also in really appreciate a desire for privacy mm. and uh and a sense of introversion yeah and for a very public uh performance that you have to do yeah and that you have to and and how you how many people you are performing in front of yeah but indeed it's not using your voice yeah but I do think like both of you are enthusiastic about life and other people and being social. Absolutely. Because I, you do like to go out and see and do and 
experience. Yeah. I and I've also seen you do an incredible drag. <laughs> Phenomenal. Oh, yeah. As Eartha Kid. <clears throat> as Eartha Kid. And this year as Michelle Obama. Wow. Brought us to tears. Wow. I did my best. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, I feel... And also, and that is... And that drag a benefit is, you know, produced originally by Russell. Mm-hmm. Russell. So you're, you're also both very engaged. Yeah. I mean, I... I wish I was more engaged, and I think I can just get wrapped... wrapped in too tightly to, like, really use what's around me and like make that exploration like I mean it's part of it also just the amount of time that you don't have quite frankly because of what your schedule is yeah I think so I mean you're there you and you can be there for like 12 to 14 hour days yeah and then the maintenance of your body I mean the the level of exhaustion that that takes mm. I don't know. I'm always amazed by, I mean, we, it's by friends of ours who are ballet dancers who can also go and like go out yeah. and like oh, go yeah. out dancing at night. It remind, it's like, it makes me think of like, um, like when Patti Lapone would go and like sing <laughs> after Evita. Right. You know, she would like go downtown right. and be like singing at a club. Was afterwards. that just adrenaline or was it, was it drugs? I think that's just, no, I think it's also how people are, some people are wired. Mm. Like I'm not actually that wired to go out mm. a lot mm-hmm. and if I'm doing a show it's kind of it's really like good night yeah and then I like get in a bath but I think it's also I think something that I mean I certainly dance has provided a solace for you and a means of expression mm-hmm. yeah and but I can hear that you're are wanting to express yourself perhaps in more in a more varied way or perhaps a more socialized and personal way friends in new york are hard because like when do you see them but also i feel like for for anyone who ends up in a dance company and i think ending up in new york city ballet is even more so this thing where you don't choose your family right and new york city ballet is a place where people stay for long periods of time because it's a really good job in like a really exciting city yeah it's not the kind of job that you kind of just like pop in and pop out. I right. mean, that does happen from time to time. But mm. if you show up there and maybe it's a culture of socializing or a culture of people that you don't relate to, I can imagine that can be like very alienating in a way. Mm. Yeah, I think, yeah, as I get older, I I realize just my differences and I think part of it is accepting those differences and accepting other people's differences and trying to resist the envy that can mm. be so natural, be such a natural driver for wanting, wanting to assimilate or wanting to fit in to the system or just wanting to be not accepted but just understood in a way understood in the way you understand yourself and yeah that's kind of what i'm entering into that self-acceptance right without judgment or without jealousy or envy or like harsh self criticism right um because that those things are what take up my time rather Mm -hmm. than like filling my filling fulfilling those desires of 
gaining all that outside stuff that is like good for you experience if that yeah. makes sense yeah well also in terms of and being a dancer who's i mean and you're dancing these works some of which get to be new creations like kyle's piece mm-hmm. for you but frequently are going to be pieces by choreographers who are gone mm-hmm. and so you're you're going into roles that have been done before many many times mm-hmm. and so there's also i think something of I can imagine also not wanting to compare, mm. like compare and despair and, yeah. and actually to find your own way inside of those roles. Yeah. And I think that that's its own kind of, it's its own kind of learning curve mm. as well, yeah. you know, because it is this thing of where you are being like critiqued or, and how does that come in or not come in for you? Yeah. And that it can just, it can be just for you. I mean, it's that thing that I think it's so hard for a lot of performers of like, well, what do you want to do today? Yeah. Right. When most of your day has been organized around what someone else wants you to do mm. and that you love doing. But at the same time, yeah. it's like, what's, I think that scene between performing these roles that someone is wanting you to do in a certain way. And then what you want to do in your own life mm. And where do you find that? Yeah. And I, your Saturn Saturn return will bring that all up for you. Just bring it all. Do you feel like as you're getting more kind of comfortable with your place inside of like dance, inside the New York City Ballet, that you can appreciate your colleagues more rather than like feel uh, disappointed or any kind of envy or things like that? Mm. Like, do you look at this big group of dancers you work with and find inspiration. Yes, absolutely. I think I learned best through observation of other people and, you know, seeing the choices people make really, really informs my, my life for the better and also for the worse. Like, Mm -hmm. and that's where the comparison comes in and the envy and stuff. But I do, yeah, I feel inspired by the people I get to watch every day. And yeah, I do. And you've also, like, made some efforts to uh, put yourself physically in alien situations to expand your physical horizons. Like, you've gone mm-hmm. to summer programs mm-hmm. as an adult. Yeah. Like, like tell us things. <laughs> uh, well, I did the NDT summer intensive in, like, 2014 or 15. Um, and then I did the Batsheva intensive this past summer, which was a two, they were both two week intensives. The first one in The Hague, and then in Batsheva was in Israel, Tel Aviv. And yeah, both were completely self-explorational and, you know, with an emphasis on informing what is here in New York for me. Were you able to feel kind of anonymous in those situations? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so nice. Yeah. Did you like that? I loved it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I didn't have, yeah. It's like... There wasn't expectations of, like, he's a ballet dancer. He's a ballet dancer. Mm -mm. That can be very hard. Yeah. I think at NDT, um, you know, I was able to bring a lot of, like, you know, we we had... Well, we started one week, we had, like, Gaga classes to warm up for the day, and then we would learn rep and do new creation and stuff like that. And then the second week, there were ballet ballet classes to warm up for the day. So it was like, I could infuse ballet into this kind of training, but, um, and maybe, maybe then it was like, okay, I could exercise this skill that I 
have been honing for my whole life and like present that and be proud of that. But with Gaga, it's like, it was so anonymous and that felt so nice, Mm -hmm. you know, like not, you know, it, it not mattering where you come from because people travel from all around the world to come to this, to come study this movement. Was there like a, at the, on the first day where they're like, tell everybody, say your name and say something about yourself. Did you have to be uh, like, my name is Taylor Stanley. I'm a principal dancer. Sometimes all the articles in the New York Times are about me on the same day. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But it happened recently. I remember looking at New York Times online and like every photograph was Taylor Stanley. And I was uh, like, that's so weird. What are all these things about? <laughs> Take those down, it's too much. Amazing. <laughs> And then how, and have you felt that in doing those trainings, that's, it has informed your practice with City? Mm-hmm. For sure. Have you seen it? Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. It, well, I remember seeing you before, I saw you the night you were promoted, because mm-hmm. we were all at the Smith, you were sitting outside. Oh, okay. With people, and I was there with James and Bella, on the in, like, we were sitting on the inside, and I was uh-huh. like, oh, Taylor just got promoted, hey! And we, like, came <laughs> out, and you were like, yes, I did. Uh, what were you performing you. when that happened? Uh, I had to fill in for somebody in Hallelujah Junction. Um, and then, yeah, I think I had, like, Western after that. So that you had a busy show, they were like, may as well. Yeah. <laughs> you had a busy show, and like, they see you on the stage after the show, Taylor. And you're like, hey, and they're like, we're gonna make your principal. And you're like, I'm so hungry. I'll I gotta go to Smith. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, cool. Did yeah. you do tears? Did you do tears? Um, <laughs> I think maybe after Hallelujah went, because at, at first I was very confused, and I asked Pete, I was like, Peter was like, you're promoted, and I was like, are you sure? (laughs) Like, it was very questioned by it. Because also, how old were you at that point? This was... Uh, 25. Five, right. And how long had you been a soloist? Um, I think like four four years. Long time. Yeah, or Mm -hmm. 13 to 15. That's two years. (laughs) (laughs) no 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 13 to 16 sorry okay okay i don't remember dates well it sounds like a very very steady but quick trajectory yeah i was like very pleased that's incredible and how has this and this past year has seemed pretty phenomenal for you Mm. how have you felt (laughs) yeah it looks that way from outside but it's always different when it's actually happening to you yeah I, it like overwhelms me and I try not to be like uncomfortable with it and having that mindset I think I've been able to like take it with ease more and like it's definitely it's definitely like reassurance that you know I'm in a good place and I can feel positive about this trajectory and do you generally feel more negative and critical Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. As most people do. I, I don't know. know about most people, but I would definitely say uh, I... Are you hot? 
I'm fine. <laughs> I'm warm. But you're also like know, covered shouted. in a blanket. You're like wearing <laughs> a sweater, putting a blanket. Put the blanket off your oh, I feel better. <laughs> I mean, so I would say that like, I would say more so people I think who were bullied and had to find ways to navigate that arena mm. and uh, hide in various ways. Mm. And also I think internalize that mm-hmm. as a way of control. Yes. Because if you can, can if you can um, be more critical to yourself first, mm-hmm. then that undermines anything else that'll come at you because yeah. you've already done the damage. Yeah. And so I think that the sort of I mean, hence like from my earlier question of like where you grew up and you were a young male dancer and how did that work out for you and just a kind of vibe that I'm picking up on in this conversation. Yes. I actually don't think it's everyone. I think a lot of people are like, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> and I've experienced it a lot. There, but there. I have also, I've experienced specifically with queer people or and, and other minority groups who are like, I think the critic, their internal critic comes in faster than anyone outside could. Yeah, yeah. As a way to take care of that. Yes. And you... We don't have to, we just can be edited out, but you struggled with like the notion of self queerness for a time. Mm, yes, definitely. And I that, mean, that's complicated. Yeah. I mean, I went, I mean, like, up, upbringing was normal, except, you know, like the schooling, like, I went to an all boys private Catholic school for three years, and that was sort of the, like, new nucleus of all of that new struggle and frustration and like learning learning how I was not accepted but uh forcing myself to kind of be okay with that just to survive Mm. the environment sort of um and then you know proceeding on I went to public public school after that in high school and then sort of like made steps to this more open life here in New York. But, uh, those three years of middle school were kind of pivotal to that suppression and repression and like also growing up religious and then, Catholic, uh, like Methodist. Okay. My mom was Catholic and my dad also came from like, sort of a Baptist, uh, Episcopalian, like, denomination. Um, Generally, Episcopalians can be cool. Did I ever tell you the story? First day of boy choir school? No. Well, it was like one of the first days you get there, right? I'm nine years old. Never been to church. Uh Never. And so now I'm at boarding school with only, like, white boys who've spent their whole life in church. And, like, come Friday night, they're like, the, the, like, house parents are saying, like, we'll set you all up with, like, adults who go to these churches, and so you just have to tell us what denomination you are. And I was like... And you're like, atheist? No, I was like, I just, like, listened to what other people said. And, like, someone named Mitch was like, I'm Episcopalian. I was like, I'm Episcopalian. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah. But were your, how were your parents with your sexuality? Uh, it took them a while, mm. and I still feel, like, mm, not super connected with them about it. Like, I'm, but that might be my own, like, hesitation 
Mm -hmm. But I've also like really, I think I really tried to inform them as much as I, as much as I could when I was coming out and, um, like exposing more layers of myself to them. You know, I, I really tried to bring them along with me because they're, they aren't like, they, they wouldn't disown me or anything. It's not something to that extreme, but you know, you feel the disappointment when it's all first starting to like surface, you know? I'm so sorry. No, I mean, it's it's really, it's, do they come see you perform? Yeah, they come, I mean, they've, for the past, since I got in, they've, I mean, it's two hours away, so it's like really close and, and I love them so much. So it's, I'm happy for the journey that we've been on together and, um, yeah. Were they at the Kyle premiere? No, but they, and they haven't seen it, um, yet, but they'll, they have really busy, like, timing schedules with their work and stuff. Mm -hmm. And when did you come out? Uh, I came out when I was 21, um... But before that, I was, like, really steeped in the religion and, like... Here in New York? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Like, I wasn't super religious. I mean, we went to church every Sunday, and I was involved in youth group and choir and stuff growing up. But um, when I came here, I think, like, the voices of family back home in my mind who were like, find a community, find a church to be a part of because that's what we want for you mm-hmm. and for your safety. That kind of like rang in my head. And, you know, I, I definitely found that community uh, amongst like other non-religious communities who are, mm-hmm. you know, s- people still very close to me now. Um, but being a part of that really intense, like, sort of isolated Christian community, like, suppressed even more things. Mm. And I did, like, a conversion therapy thing for a year, and then... Here in the city? Mm-hmm. I can't even... I mean, I, can, <laughs> I guess I can imagine conversion therapy anywhere, but, like, This is, this is the important city. to say, but, like, under the guise of what? What were they calling it? It was like a ministry, like it was, it was called Life Ministry, Living in Freedom Eternally. Okay. I think it's important to like say that on the podcast. Yeah. Just to be like, be warned. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And how did you, how did they find you or you find them? Uh, through a colleague. Okay. (laughs) Who... We don't have to... Yeah. 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 Through through a colleague. Through a colleague. And um, I felt like, you know, this struggle I was having was something that was a struggle that I could share with this person. And I found out that they were going to this place and I was interested and I, like, went with them to, like, a, you know, they have their, like, group meetings on the weekends Um, and the two people like leading the meetings are this very older, very old woman who's been a part of, who like founded this ministry and another guy who, you know, is sort of co-leading it with her. Um, 
and you know they were both homosexuals in their I mean they are homosexuals but right. yes they have learned to you know come to God instead and they're working on programming themselves somehow yes right. yeah so um and this colleague was working with this woman counselor and just hearing about their experience together um you know, I've, I was like, I want to do that too. Like, it sounds great. And I was, I was paired up with a counselor who was much younger and was sort of, uh, like hired to work with like Spanish speaking clients, I guess. So I think there was like, there was sort of a disconnect. Do you speak Spanish? No. Okay. <laughs> I do not speak Spanish. Yeah, utterly confused. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. Uh, not that that was like the <laughs> main thing that disconnected us, but I mean, it was just, it was a year of like going to her every Monday for this counseling and just like missing the mark completely on like her understanding these really like deep emotions that I was having. Um, and just responding to them with Bible verses and more, more like, uh, passive, aggressive, like shaming and all this kind of stuff, which. Did your parents know you were doing this? Uh, yes, they did. I told them, uh, it was, I was like 19 when I started going there. And that's when I sort of told my mom, like, I'm doing this. I just want you to know but I'm gonna, like, fix it, don't worry, like, don't tell dad yet, like, I'm gonna try and work my way up to, like, exposing this to him when I'm ready, and she was like, okay, like, she may have, you know, cried or something or whatever, but, um, yeah, I was, I wanted, I wanted to, like, share with them, like, what I was going through, but my, my intention was, reversed yeah so um yeah i spent a year going to this counselor woman and just after a year it felt like nothing was changing and um i don't know what inspired me to just like let go of it and like let go of that part of me that was preventing myself from just opening up and coming out but and then what happens to your relationship to this community of that kind of got you involved in the first place? This, like, who had become maybe, like, your core friends mm. who were in the company and also, like, had encouraged this kind of direction. Do you stay friends with it? How does that work? That must be strange. Um, I think at first, like, when I was coming out and I created that distance, like, I was doing the whole, like, I can criticize myself before you can, so let me just, like, create this distance now. Um, Because if you knew, you probably wouldn't want to, like, talk to me or whatever, even though that was completely not true of anybody who I eventually came out to in that group. Um, And I think a lot of them were like, why didn't you just tell us? Like, it doesn't matter. Um we love you the same, just that, that kind of thing. And so, yeah, positive results, okay. you know, in the end. But 
I think it also just led me to figure out who was really important in my life and figure out the kind of like energy energies I need from not need but like thrive on when it comes to like relating to people or talking to people mm. about certain things, opening up about certain things. And yeah, you just kind of like mold into more of more of you and less of like what you think you should be. But thank God that happened because we have all of these other stories of like the perils of conversion therapy that can end in yeah. self-harm. Yeah. yeah. Or I mean, that can start with self-harm and then go to suicide. I mean, the numbers mm-hmm. are there. Mm-hmm. And so it's sort of, and when you were saying like, I don't know what it was that compelled me. I mean, whatever your belief in God is, it it, it does speak to something both inside and outside of you that helped you stay to the truth of you. Yeah. Which feels like, and what's so wild is, I mean, I, in my own life, my sister is 18 years my senior. She's very much been that person for me who's mm-hmm. like always helped me organize back, I would say, to reality. Mm-hmm. And in your case, it doesn't sound like there was someone there. Mm-hmm. And that that happened, I think, is thank God. I mean, and it's so beautiful Mm. that it did. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people knew, of course, you know, everyone has a sense of like, what's going on? What's going on? You mean in the company? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and I respect what I respect most and what I feel now with, you know, people that I can sense might be struggling with their sexuality is you just want to ask, or you just want to say, you know, like, what are you struggling with? Like, let's talk about it. But I respect the space that people gave me to kind of figure it out for myself when, when there can be such an urgency to like reach out on the other, from the, from the other side. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I, I feel like that energy from a distance also like just encouraged me to reevaluate, you know, love and desire and you know all those things and well and as you now as like as you're going into becoming like an older company member i think there's so much that can still be about you don't have to reach out but it can be attraction rather than promotion in that Mm, way mm -hmm. of just by you living your life Mm. i think to just live one's life openly and honestly Mm. saves lives yeah of people who who are still here. I mean, it's so wild that we're in 2019 and this is still an issue. Yeah. yeah. And it is still yeah. an issue. It is. And it's, as we know, the kind of, there's deep microaggressions mm. of it. Like, yes. it's, it's just like racism. It's there are people who are like, I'm not homophobic, but if you dig around in there enough, you see where they are. Yeah. And... Because how these systems work, whether it's misogyny or homophobia or mm-hmm. racism, it's it's infects and it it, it goes yeah. everywhere. And um, so it's so amazing that you kind of arrived at where you are yeah. without a lot of anger. You you tell the story with a lot of compassion mm-hmm. for all the people involved, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think I have more people to thank then I don't know just I feel like I owe 
to a lot of people and not like things that they gave to me tangibly, but just, I don't know. I feel indebted to the support that people just can give you naturally, you Mm -hmm. know? And yeah, it feels, it feels like overwhelming sometimes to know how to give that back to them in a way. And it feels, I mean, I think so much of that is sort of how it gets passed on, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, it's, uh, I, I hope that for my sister and for the people who are older than me who have been there as a support for me, I, I, I hope that I that they feel it returned and how much yeah. I love them and try to take care of them too. Mm-hmm. But it's also so much of how do we pass it on, which I think yeah. is like that, which is this turning point, I think, is now you go into your 30s. Mm-hmm. I mean, in three years, yeah. like still a, a ways away. But what do you... What do you model and, and look to support and give? And how do we do those? And especially in terms of some kind of, in this case, you know, it's it's not recovery as much as like uncovering mm-hmm. yourself. Yeah. And that this, this sort of last step is of some kind of service, mm-hmm. which I mean, even doing this, even you talking about this. Yeah for young dancers or just anyone out there who might be listening to it and struggling mm, with it. Yeah. It's... Stay strong. Yeah. Stay strong. <laughs> well, I mean, it's. A, I'm just thinking about this now because, you know, the New York City Ballet has been through, like, a really tumultuous year, mm-hmm. and they've been kind of sifting out the sort of toxic masculinity, like, mm-hmm. bit by bit, and... Read the article by Joan Acachella in The New Yorker. Yes. It will give you all, all the details. Gives all the details mm-hmm. all together. And now it's like you look at this company where the roster of men in the higher ranks is like vastly mm-hmm. gay, yeah. which is not to say like that's a good or bad thing, but it's it's sort of a beautiful thing to look at in the way that this very... Uh, It's like a very varied assortment of men, all different kinds of dancers who are mostly queer and who are all delivering excellent work and also like being kind of exemplars of good behavior in a company that has been like having to get rid of and who are out. Yeah, it's also this thing of it's not like this is the first time where there's been all of these queer uh, principle men. It's just that they're also out and yeah. It is that thing of, I think, how long it can take for things to change, especially when they are more classical. Yeah. Yeah. It's like pleasantly ironic. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. It's good. And it, and it makes the company, it takes, well, it's hard to say this, but I was in ballet companies for a long time and there is a lot of homophobia, like in yeah. the world of ballet, not like... In social life in the ballet company, there's always probably going to be some gay people in whatever ballet company you're in, and there's a kind of, like, openness and comfort level around that. But in the way that the company presents men to the public, it's never been, like, it's, like, great that we have all kinds. It's always been, like, our men are men. Yeah, well, that's and that is birthed out of misogyny. I mean, that's always, it's like, when you you open the door into queer theory, then you are going to open the door into feminism. And it's... Mm. Uh, it's it is misogyny, and I would also say femphobia. Right. Mm. It's 
it's a... If you'd like, there's a glaring example of this. If you look up on YouTube, Michael Pink, who's the director of Milwaukee Ballet, talking about the men of Milwaukee Ballet. And he's like, you know, people often think that, you know, men of ballet company are sissies. And he's like, but they're not. Our men are men. And I'm like, okay. Right, like, or like, what just are we the way Surya Plunin is losing Insane. his mind. I mean, Surya Plunin has had Surya all Plunin of those has posts. lost his mind. It's mm-hmm. really... And I think that's the thing, too, in listening to your story, Taylor, and even how you talked about it, and it's... There's... You have that sense, too, though, of the tragedy for... Also for these people who are themselves homosexual, who are who are fighting so hard to resist it in themselves, mm. and unfortunately then causing harm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's what's most difficult to see is, you know, of course, the self-harm, but the... To, to see the really subtle repression yeah. um, of just one's true truest nature. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, think, you I know, think there's less and less of that, though. I hope yeah. there is with, like, yeah. young ballet dancers. Yeah, I think, I think a lot of the young dancers who are coming in to the company now are... It's like... They're fully living. They're, har- <laughs> they're, like, harvesting that, like acceptance much early on and like letting it be known and I think it's become healthier in that regard just less stigma around it I do feel hopeful about the younger generation I mean as someone who works with them yeah it really really does (laughs) we have to make sure I know yours is the miseducation (laughs) it's really young men it's really um you know I think that's it was the same thing as when we looked at like the voting. Remember when all that came out, the voter the voting in twenty sixteen? I mean it was real it was the young people who yeah. were really, you know, Showing letting up the for blue color right. fly. Yeah. And so and you know, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to, to think of uh, of what they're doing and like how can we best pave the way for them. Yeah. You know. Kyle's pieces here felt felt like that really emblematic yeah. of the changes going on somehow in the New York City Ballet which mm. suddenly is a more colorful company mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. in addition to seeming like more um, sexually diverse like suddenly it also seems much more racially diverse mm-hmm. there's many young people of color and Kyle's piece really showed sort of like a spectrum of what it means to dance in different ways yeah. and yeah. that was really beautiful and your part in that piece is obviously mm-hmm. so central and important to that mm. how was it for you yeah what was the process did you have a long time to like embody that movement yes i feel like we really like i didn't feel it it didn't feel like a rushed process to me. No, like, it looked very deeply in your body, mm. which is unusual mm. when new people come in to make work in New York City Ballet, because usually it's like, here are my steps, do this dance, da 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 So you are very familiar with Kyle's work. Yeah. So I think also even you watching it and seeing that with Taylor yeah. was really there. Mm. I've danced in Kyle's work. Yeah. In the old days. Yes. Yeah, we went to college together. Ugh. Mm-hmm. At... Purchase. Purchase. And then when I moved back to New York, I would be in Kyle Abraham shows. And well, I would that's see hard them. to believe. Yes. And I would see them. Very easy to believe. No. So what was the process yeah. like for you? Um, 
Well, we started like fairly early on and then, you know, took a break from it over the summer and then returned to it. But he had, you know, whipped up a lot of material at, yeah, I feel like he almost sort of finished it by the time we had like taken a break from it. So, um, yeah, it was, it felt like a very different process and unlike any other sort of choreographic process that we typically experience or mm-hmm. endure, you know, because of timing or scheduling. Um, but I think it took us all a while to get used to what he was bringing to the table and like understand where he was going with this movement, with the piece. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, th- I guess what I remember most is working on those solos with him and uh, just him making these quick phrases and then dissecting them together to slow them down or speed them up or um and are there are there passages in your solos that are improvisatory like within us within a quality yeah like in the first solo the slower one there are a couple moments where there's an there's an idea behind like all that ri- the rippling mm-hmm. or the like undulations and watching him do it and then trying to like mimic that or like emulate that was like the hardest thing to yeah. do because the way he the way he um like do- the way he does his own movement is just like so unique to him and yeah, his right. body and his like spirit and yeah you have to kind of divorce yourself of what it looks like and just kind of embody what you think it might feel like. Yeah, yeah. And, like, resist the urge to feel critiqued. Right. You know, when it when it isn't what he would want it to look like. Mm-hmm. Which for us is so hard to do because you just want it to be right, right away. Mm-hmm. Um, but because we had time to you know, develop this work. Um, and he had, you know, dancers from his company come in and help us with the movement quality and everything, which was also super helpful. And I really like advocate for, you know, if someone new is coming in and has a unique way of moving, it really helps to have those assistants to just manage the room Mm -hmm. as well and give that individual attention that we all we all need when we're learning new choreography or whatever but it it was a really cool process and also like Kyle was super warm and fun to work with and like just was was really understanding of everything that was happening within the company Mm -hmm. during that time so it was like ironic that he was there to make this work during that during this past year um did you have any sense before the premiere of the kind of reaction or reception that piece would get not really like no not really even when you like rehearsed in the theater for the first time and like kanye west music came on (laughs) where you're like this is gonna this is something 
Maybe, yeah. Like, it's gonna stir some kind of pot. Yeah. And, like, we don't know if it's gonna be, like... I don't know. No like, one booze anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not at dance pieces, no. Yeah. But I can think of the last time I, I heard someone boo in an audience. Oh, really? Yeah, you know. Oh, I do yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. I do know yeah. I was there. Yeah, yeah we were wow. there. Wow. That was really fun. That was good. Yeah, it was good. Anyhow. <laughs> but it was... Yeah, I mean, yeah. and then you knew you could feel that. Yeah, yeah. We were we were like timid or not timid. We were like trepidatious, hmm. perhaps. Well, you all came to opening night with such confidence. It felt like mm-hmm. you all felt very like embodied and calm, which I think was what Kyle and his team had like instilled in us over this pro- like throughout this process. Practice, practice, practice. Yeah, like you kind of. I mean, he wanted he wanted that confidence and that like attitude shown mm. in his movement and his phrases and throughout the entire piece. So and through your beings, I yeah, mean, in the way our, it was performed, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, it's so that feels like I mean, in terms of uh, a confrontation and uh, but even more than that, a sense of. Standing your ground, mm. dancing your ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What things do you have coming up that you're excited to dance? How was Apollo? Was it fun? Did you have a good time? <laughs> Everyone loves you, Anna. Uh, it's really hard. Why? Why tights? Why tights? Yeah, that was exposing for sure. But mm. it was it was fun. Okay, good. It was really like whirlwind of emotions and but a really like positive experience you know Surely overall nothing like putting on a pair of white footed tights and Ugh. ballet shoes to like spoil your groove you know what i mean <laughs> that's the worst part where you're like this is i'm really feeling it and i'm excited to perform it and then you put on footed tights and you're like white footed like, tights mm. i'm bad my knees don't straighten mm. it's bad like suddenly like everything's bad yeah is that what you felt like? No, he looked beautiful. That's, yeah. I mean, I was fighting <laughs> fighting that. But you had to fight it. Yeah. Because you had those white tights on. You're like, oh, God. You have to, like, believe that you're just making all the lines that you want to make. And, like... I feel like you're, you know. you're there. You're really there. Like, you're, your training is in place enough that you've now sort of transcended the technical. You're really now just, mm. like, making, Embodying. making yeah. music. Well, also, you're so clipped. He's really clipped. Yeah. Clipped. Yeah. yeah, it's like your tenants have been like, because uh, you're just like, bye, like, I'm just going to, like, watch my Sylvie Guillaume leg, honey. Oh it's a God. real, yeah. Oh, All the way through the feet. I feel that you, I do, from watching over the years, I feel like yours is a technique that's been honed. It mm. wasn't like a wunderkind kind of situation. <laughs> You've, like, made it happen. It's like... Yeah, I've I've come into like a different relationship with the way that my body wants to do technique, mm-hmm. and just accepting what cannot be changed, and trying to just work with what I got. And you have so much. You do have so much. You have so much to offer everybody. I really. But wait, keep telling us yeah, about so this year. Uh, what's coming up? Um, 
well, the last week of season. The Jordans. Our Pam Tanowitz kickball change. Oh backball my change. Uh, people almost had a nervous breakdown in the studio. <laughs> Sarah Burns was really like, I'm not learning anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of steps. Steps, steps, steps. Yeah. Hey, we're gonna like go out. Wow. Like, go out, like dancing and like oh God, really. When's the last time you went out dancing? Last night. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. Where did you go? Uh, I went to horse meet disco. Oh, but yeah. It was. I've not... actually heard of that. <laughs> did you have a good time? Uh, not my scene. No, you have to go so, with friends. I mean, I did go oh. with friends, but. Where do you like going out dancing? Actually, one of one of my favorite bars to go dancing is this like small beer and wine bar in Bed Stuy called Bedvine. Oh, Bedvine! They have like good DJs on the weekends. And When's your birthday? May thirtieth. I'm a Gemini. <gasps> oh, Gemini's are so wild. They're so uh, crazy. So ambivalent. Yeah. And, um, and Taylor is a dog. What's your dog's name? Theo. And he's a fox. <laughs> I love a fox dog. I love yes. foxes and I love dogs. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I think Theo is also a Gemini. Yeah. He acts like one. He's yeah. He's like I only like Taylor. Mm. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> Shy and then loud. He'll be shady to me. Also. Really? Yeah. Amazing. That's hard to live with a dog that doesn't like you. Well, we have to yeah. figure out some birthday party for you, Taylor. Just some real like. Um, <laughs> Reed has to go to Lincoln Center. Yes. Sure. Um, are you going to Lincoln Center? I'm going to the Upper West Side. Oh, great. You two can go to the Upper West Side. Amaz. Yes. Um, Taylor, I'm really glad that we got to chat. Yes. And I, I got know. to know you a little more. I love yelling, but I... Uh, <laughs> well, you get to spend time with Taylor a lot, and I don't. Yeah. I mean, a lot. We but had a week of rehearsal, and sometimes I'm a in a room making him try on something absurd. That's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot. Whereas I've only hung out with Taylor very briefly. In, like, drag makeup. Yeah, in drag makeup and outside the Smith. Taylor yeah. got to wear so, literally the most absurd and fantastical costume I ever designed in New York City Ballet. For the Justin Peck? For the Stravinsky one. With the flowers. Oh, and yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, yeah. that was absurd and beautiful. Yeah. I loved it. Thank you for One of my that. favorite costumes, I think. Oh my god. Yes. So nice. Accept it. I liked your Giles Deacon jumper for Kyle's Oh, uh, it's so comfy. It's yeah. Like, I'm wearing pajamas. It's it really like, is. It's just a little romp. I just need, like, a heel... And but you I'll need be to be comfortable in that piece because you're doing things. You're standing on one leg. You have to remember Legs things. Legs up. Yeah, you're doing something. You're an Airbus. Clipped, Taylor. Had you not heard clipped before? I have not heard clipped well, before. Take it it's with a you. For Corey. It's you a challenge for Corey. Jenna, Jenna, where are you? Please come back. <laughs> um, we loves you, Taylor. Jenna. Loves and we love you, too. listeners. We loves you, Taylor. Really, truly, and true. Oh, thank you. Bye. Bye. Aren't we supposed to leave silence at the end? This is the silence. Oh, it's still recording. This is the room sound. Okay, we'll give it 15 seconds. That's long enough, I can't bear it. <laughs>